street the rich in their palaces the poor and unlearned and the man of degree they all have a soul in need of salvation and they'll have to come to Calvary so bad that I needed forgiveness was I so wrong that I had to be redeemed I wasn't a thief but I lived in sin's prison and I was as lost as a sinner could be and I am so glad Tonight we're back in Let's Learn the Ministry mode, and uh, last week, of course, we had the opportunity to hear a little bit about the, the uh, music ministry. Tonight we're going to hear a little bit about the youth ministry, and uh, so Brother Cavanaugh's going to come and share that with us, wherever he's at. Oh, I thought maybe he's outside putting a costume on or something. He's going to do, do something fun for a change. No. <laughs> I was out smoking my cigar. I thought he was going to kick this thing off with a skit or something and go, now see, that's how you got to get the attention of teams. And then he'd had your attention too, right? <laughs> I heard about one guy came in one time. He came in with a bunch of long hair and he looked like a hippie. And he got standing up front and started to, to speak and everybody was like, what in the world's going on? And he went, see, how you dress does matter. Isn't that something? Just doing crazy stuff like that to get their attention, just to get them thinking. Brother, you're up. Sorry to disappoint. I feel like a big letdown, and uh, but hopefully you can get past that, and um, you just have to put up with my face for what it is, and hopefully that holds your attention long enough. And uh, but we're gonna we're gonna look this evening at the youth ministry. Let's learn the ministry, and and uh, tonight really the way that this is going to be presented is is not geared towards teenagers. Now it is for the teenagers, but 
the way that I'm going to present this tonight is if I was teaching a bunch of laymen in a church how to be youth workers. How would you run a youth ministry? And, uh, and so I'm going to just give you a little bit of the philosophy behind how we run it and why we do things the way we do them and, uh, and why there's certain requirements. We'll just touch on a bunch of different things here and, uh, and establish what the youth ministry is. Now, obviously, uh, the youth ministry is, is viewed by many in varying aspects. You know, uh, some people think that it's primarily just you know, a social club. It's all about the fun. And, uh, you know, obviously there's always the connotation that, you know, the, the youth pastor is the guy who can never grow up and never matures and, you know, is always the goofball, the perpetual goofball and, uh, you know, always making mistakes. And I, I do fit most of those qualifications. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is viewed a, a bunch of different ways. Uh, some, for some people, it's just a bunch of hype, you know, getting the young people, getting them all excited about stuff. Um, but I think that the youth ministry, I believe that the Bible is clear. The youth ministry is, is a vital part of our churches. And uh, it, it is so crucial in the lives of our young people. I will clarify tonight with a statement, though. And uh, I wrote this down. I, w- I want to be clear that everything we do here in the church, as far as youth is, con- is concerned, is, is predicated on this statement. That it is possible to grow up in church be a good teenager, stay out of trouble, graduate from high school, stay active in church during your college years, even in secular college, find the right mate the right way, get started in a God-honoring career, have a godly marriage, start having kids, and raise them for the Lord. Being a rotten teenager uh, or a prodigal son from you know 17 to 30 isn't a requirement. And a lot of times we view things like, hey, you know, we've got a youth department to, to keep our teenagers from becoming prodigal children or, or, or to get our prodigal children back. You know, we have a college and career class to get our prodigal kids back in church. No, the, the whole goal of these ministries is to keep them going the right direction the whole time. It is possible uh, for young people to stay the course and do what is right. Um, I know we don't see it a lot as Christianity as a whole. You do see a lot of fall off. Now, in our church, praise the Lord, you don't uh, see so much. But even one's too many as far as I'm concerned. One teenager that falls off, it, it's, it's too many. And, uh, and it hurts the cause of Christ. And so, you know, as, as I mentioned, as far as I'm concerned, the, the youth department at CBT is not geared towards restoring the prodigal son. It's, it's a secondary function of the youth ministry. But it's primarily geared towards keeping our young people going the right direction. Now, obviously, uh, youth ministry, the little phrase, isn't anywhere in the Bible. You're not going to find it in there. And, uh, you know, you you can search through it all. Uh, There is no office even designated for the youth pastor. You know, I kind of chuckle a little bit inside when I hear people say, I'm called to, you know, be a youth pastor. You get called to preach. The Lord may lay youth on your heart. Um, But there is no calling to being a youth pastor. And uh, and so that's that's not something that's that's, uh, in the Scripture. Um, But... Uh, it is a crucial part uh, of, of ministry today. Let me remind you that neither is the Trinity. You know, it's not mentioned in Scripture, but, you know, we hold it as a pretty crucial part to uh, our faith today, don't we? And, you know, air conditioning and sound systems and pews and all that other stuff that isn't mentioned in the Bible. Um, so, youth ministry is definitely something that's in Scripture that is learned through example. It's, it's learned through the, the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. And it's learned through the starting of the local New Testament church. And uh, we can see a lot of, uh, a lot of examples uh, of, of uh, youth ministry in the Word of God. Now, I've said that youth ministry is important to us as a church. And that's true. 
But it's important to us as a church because it's important to Christ. Because youth are important to Christ. Uh, I can clarify that and demonstrate it with the Word of God. There really is only two instances in the Word of God where Jesus Christ gets angry. He gets angry at the Pharisees. He gets angry at them because of their form of godliness. He gets angry at them uh, for their money exchanging in the temple, for their uh, putting on like they're doing something for the cause of Christ, but really they're just fakes. That's example number one. The second time that Jesus gets angry about something uh, is the only time that the word displeased is used in reference to Jesus Christ talking uh, to uh, one of uh, another person in the New Testament, and that's where he was displeased with his disciples because they wouldn't allow the little children to come unto him. And he said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. And so he was displeased. Displeased is, is to be disgusted. I mean, that's a pretty strong term. He was disgusted that his disciples would not let the young people come to him. And so obviously, uh, youth is important to Jesus Christ. And he clarifies it there. He says, hey, uh, that's the future. That's what, that's what makes things up. And so... Uh, it's, it's important to Jesus Christ. Because it's important to Jesus Christ, uh, we have requirements that need to be met. You're going to work with the youth as far as our church is concerned. There's, there's certain requirements that need to be met. And uh, those requirements are laid down and, uh, for us. And it, it, we have different tiers of ministry at our church. And uh, one of uh, the, the, the top, or the top tier of ministry in our church is the investment tier. This is the tier where uh, you are willing to be committed. It really is what it is, the level of commitment. You're willing to get to a certain level of commitment in order to be uh, a youth leader in the church. And this is, uh, you know, carries over to other areas. But as far as youth ministry is concerned tonight, um, this, this investment level, it, it requires a certain uh, dress code. It requires that uh, there is a, a modest apparel and, and uh, that dresses and skirts are worn to, uh, to the church, that they're modest, they're below the knee, there's no slits going up uh, above the knee. Um, you know, for uh, that there's modest tops, no sleeveless shirts, things like that. There's a modest, there's a modesty of, uh, of apparel that's set forth. There's not just for women, it's for men as well. You men are required to, to to dress appropriately for ministry, ministry attire, we call it, and uh, you know to wear slacks, to wear a shirt and a tie. Um, if you're going to be a teacher, if you're going to work with the youth department, you have to wear that shirt and tie. You have to wear those slacks. You have to have a, a clean cut haircut. Uh, you know, keeping it off the collar and no ear piercings or piercings, I guess, really of any kind. And uh, and so um, on the men, that is. And uh, and so, you know, we have these these levels of, of requirements. You have to exhibit a good spirit. You have to complete discipleship. Um, you have to have completed soul winning training and uh, you need to attend all the services. All right. So there are the requirements. And uh, we re- we require those because, well, first of all, it's Bible. Right. Isn't that a good reason to do things? Yeah, because it's in the Bible. Yeah, I know a lot of times it, we don't like it, um, you know, and we just ignore it. Um, but, you know, if it's Bible, it's Bible, and we obey them because it's in the Bible. And then we do it um, not just because it's Bible, but because by following the Bible, we are setting a good role model. So you want to be a youth leader tonight? We've got to be good role models is the bottom line. You've got to be a good role model. Now, I understand uh, that you can have standards without holiness. But I, I read a, a, a statement the other day. It's, it's a really good statement. It says, personal holiness, uh, personal holiness may decrease while standards increase. But standards will never decrease when personal holiness is increasing. All right? And so uh, as we grow and, and, and become more like Christ, 
uh, our standards don't tend to drop off, they tend to increase. And that's why we have certain level of requirements, because we ought to be growing, we ought to be maturing in Christ, and we want to set those examples out for our young people to follow. So, we take this seriously. We take it seriously. We take it seriously because Christ took it seriously, and uh, because we need to um, be that example, after all, for of such is the kingdom of God. All right? Of such is the kingdom of God. And so... Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of teaching this evening. And uh, tonight I really would, uh, it's Let's Learn the Ministry, the Youth Ministry tonight, but I would, I guess, title this uh, The Right Way to Do Youth Ministry. The Right Way to Do Youth Ministry. Now, Proverbs uh, chapter 14, verse 12 um, is, a, is, is a common verse to us, and I, I trust that you're uh, familiar with it. And it's, it's dealing with uh, a man's desire and a man's heart, um, but it, it establishes a principle that's important that, there is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end, thereof, uh, the end thereof are the ways of death. And so there is right ways and there is wrong ways to do things. And, and we can justify and come up with our own ideas uh, of what is right, um, but that's not necessarily God's model of doing things. And we ought to follow God's model as closely as we can. And, uh, you know, uh, it's important that youth ministry, any ministry, our Christian life in general is a replication of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. We're trying to replicate. We're trying to become like Christ. And so I want to just touch on three categories or three areas tonight um, that they need to be grounded first before we know where to go as far as youth ministry All right, is concerned. The first thing is a recommendation to youth. All right. So before youth workers even come into play necessarily, I, I want to speak to the youth. I want to establish where the youth should be. If you have your Bibles, and I trust you do, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And uh, in verse number 9, I'm going to read some verses here. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse number 9. It says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart, uh, and let thine, uh, thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart, and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth our vanity. So we see this passage here, uh, and where, where you know, it's, it's very clear that, that there is a wrong way for a, a teenager to respond to life. And, and unfortunately for Solomon, he experienced it firsthand. He went out and tried to uh, find what would make him happy. And so here he is uh, saying, hey, young person, it, it, and, and follow along here, because he gives this first set of advice, and he says, go ahead, make and do whatever makes you happy. Uh, that's what you ought to do with your life. And he's given this instruction, and then by the end of the chapter there, he's saying, forget it. Don't do any of it, because it's all waste. But if you remove the chapter divider there, and let's just move right into chapter 12, and read what he says next. He says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember now. And so the recommendation to youth tonight is, is, is this. Remember now, thy creator. Remember now. Uh, to remember is to, mer- is to bear in mind 
with reverence to obey. That's what it's talking about here. To bear in mind with reverence to obey. So as a young person, there, there, there is something important, that, and this ties in, and we'll come full circle, but as far as youth ministry is concerned, the recommendation for the young person tonight, for teenagers, is remember now, there's going to be the temptation to try to please yourself, to make yourself happy, to, to go after your own way. But Solomon said, I tried that, I went down that path, it didn't work. So remember now in thy youth. Remember thy creator. Reverence, revere. Uh, to revere something, what does that mean? Anybody, holler it out. Or to revere it. To hold it high, all right? To elevate it. And so if I, if I revere my creator, that means that to me, nothing else is more important than him. Nothing more important than being obedient to him. And so I revere, and not only do I hold him high, but I obey. I follow through with. He gives instructions. He gives, uh, he gives a model for me to live. And so, young people tonight, uh, you've got you've to establish and understand uh, this recommendation. Now, it's not commanded by Solomon here. It's a recommendation by him. He's saying, hey, I tried it both ways, and this is the way that I would recommend doing it. We ought to take that to heart. Your walk with God cannot be emphasized enough. And across the spectrum tonight, you're going to work with young people, your walk with God cannot be expressed enough or emphasized enough. And where is it at? How close are you to Him? When's the last time you walked with Him? You know, the one thing uh, about the Scripture is that you read it and it'll convict you. And there's a story in the Word of God that no matter, it seems no matter how close I am with the Lord at any given moment, that I think back to those disciples walking with Jesus, and they said, did not our hearts burn within us? And I think about that illustration, and how they, they, they draw a, a word picture of how their hearts were just uh, consumed with a fire when they walked with God. Now, how important it is for us, and, and it doesn't matter how close I seem to be with God at an any at any given moment, does my heart burn because of that yearning, that desire to have more and to be more, to grow closer? That brings a whole new definition to cold-hearted, doesn't it? Because more often than not, we're so used to the cold that even just a little a little a little spark feels like something great is happening. We come to church and that little spark sends off a, a bit of warmth from the pulpit. But before we know it, we've just become so numb and accustomed to how we live. Isn't that what the cold does to you? Cause you not to feel? Cause you not to, to, to sense the way that you're supposed to? And you lose that relationship with God. You don't walk with God the way that you're supposed to. And that coldness creeps into your life. Not just young people, again, everybody tonight. If you're going to work with young people, you've got to be sensitive. You've got to be walking with God because if there's anything as we are well aware of that young people can see is fakeness. They can see the phony Christianity. They can see right through the, the facade of, of, of Sunday go to church. You know, not only can they see it and when they're at church, but they can see it in the social media and they can see it in all the ways that we put our lives on display for everyone to see today. 
And it's so important that we have a relationship and a walk with God. So tonight, the recommendation to the youth. Secondly, let me emphasize this. A requirement of parents. A requirement of parents. So if you're going to be a youth worker tonight, you've got to, you've got to emphasize that your young people walk with God. But you've got to demonstrate it in your life. All right. Secondly, a, rec- a requirement of parents. And this is what I would say to parents uh, if I, as, as the youth pastor here, and if you are going to be youth pastor, this is what I would say to the parents of teenagers. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, 5 and se- through 7. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 5 through 7. This is, this is crucial now because, uh, well, well, we'll draw the net here in just a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 5 through 7. Now listen. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Notice here the requirement of parents. This is the responsibility, a requirement or responsibility, however you want to look at it. If you are a parent tonight, this is the responsibility given to you. Now, yes, I fully understand where we're at. We're in the Old Testament. Okay, I I understand that. I fully am aware uh, that he's giving them the law. I'm aware of that. But the principle being taught here isn't regarding the law necessarily. And And the principle being taught here, listen... Isn't not isn't that you t- just that you teach? It's not just that you teach. What was the first verse that we read? The commandment given to the parents, and thou, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God. The commandment not given to the teenager or the child at this point. The commandment given to the parent, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God. This is a requirement for any parent who wants their child to turn out for good. Not just that you teach, but that you love the Lord your God. That is personal and real to you. And it's not just something that's talked about because he even goes on to emphasize that the importance of that thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Man, sitting, standing, what sleeping, just about anywhere. Man, he, he's got it all covered. You're laying down, talk about me, God says. You're walking down the street, talk about me. Do you have those conversations with your children? I'm talking about that spiritual conversation. Are you afraid of having the conversation? You're afraid of what might be questioned? You're afraid of, of, of what might be asked of you? The whys and the hows? Are you afraid that they might start coming to you with Bible questions like, Dad, what does this mean? Or I don't understand this. See, far too often the spiritual conversation is not being had at home. And then you bring your teenagers to church and you make liars of your pastor. You make liars of your youth pastors. You make liars of the Sunday school teachers. 
because they're being told over and over again, yeah, if you're going to be blessed, you've got to be obedient. If you're, it, it, you know, if you're going to, if you really love the Lord, then you're going to follow through with his commandments. And, 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 you, and you bring him in, you reinforce it, you know, you're bringing him to church, but then you go home and it's just like abandonment of everything that is taught and preached from God's word. Now, as youth leaders tonight, don't you think that that would hurt you a little bit? Don't you think that that would be like taking back all the ground that was just earned? It does. And remember, work with me this evening, you're the youth leader. You're the one investing. You're the one hoping and seeing it. And what would you say to the parents? I would, I, would, I would do nothing more than reiterate this. Make sure it's real in your life and in your home and in your family and in your walk with God and between you and your wife. Make sure that they can see it and that the conversation is had. That it's brought up and encouraged. That they're challenged. That the enforcing of standards and separation and holiness is not something for the church house. It's for our homes. Man, I can't. Honestly, it blows my mind. The things that some parents allow their children to do. And then turn around and say, well, I just hope that they're going to find this path I just hope that they're going to go the right direction. I just, you know, we're just doing our best and we're just going to pray that they, that's not what rearing children is about. And as youth leaders tonight, it's important that you teach uh, the parents of your, of your teenagers uh, that they've got, to, they've got to be the example in the home. It's a requirement. And I know tonight there's not a parent in here who hopes that their child goes off astray. I know that as a parent. I don't want to lose any of my kids. Don't want them to veer off at any point. And you know what? I'm willing to take some steps in order to make sure that doesn't happen. But are you? You're willing to take some steps. You see, because there's, there, there's consequences of not meeting this requirement here. And so it, you see in, in, Deuteron- in Deuteronomy where this instruction is given. Now listen. This instruction is given in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And just listen, if you would. If you jump up to Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, you see the result of meeting this requirement. And that's Joshua standing up and saying, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua and his family serve the Lord. He decided, I'm going to do it when I walk. And when we're talking, and when I lay down, and when we're going down the way, I'm going to be consistent. I've decided in my home, in raising my children, we will serve the Lord. And there's a good result. But you move forward a little bit further to, to, uh, to, to Judges. And you would see in Judges chapter 2 where... Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. So here goes Joshua. Kick the bucket. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in uh, uh, Timnathres, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gash. And also all the generations were gathered unto their fathers. One of the saddest phrases in the Old Testament. And there arose another generation after them, which knew 
not the Lord, nor yet the works which had been done for Israel. Why? Because parents didn't take the instruction. And I know my child is just so bitter at the pastor. He's bitter at the church. He's just been hurt so many times, and she's just been hurt so many times. They just, they just need to have some space. They need to go out on their own for a little bit. They need, No. The responsibility will always come back to our heritage. Low children are a heritage of the pastor. The youth pastor, Community Baptist Temple, none of the above. They're the heritage of the parent. They're the heritage of the Lord. The Lord gives them to the parents. That's, that's our heritage. That's, that's the blessing from God. This is so important right here. Psalm chapter 127, verse 3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. Listen. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. Now look at what he follows this up with. You have there, Psalm chapter 127, verse number 3. Pulls out a little bit of a hunting illustration. He says, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. He goes ahead and he draws a parallel between uh, our children and, a, and a, a quiver. Now our family is a quiver and our, our quiver ought to be full of those blessings. And he equates children to being those arrows that are inside that quiver. Now, the funny thing about a, an arrow is it just doesn't fall off of a tree. Does it? No. The thing about an arrow is it's got to be cut down from the tree maybe pruned off of a tree. And then it's got to be shaped down with a knife. You know, back in this time, they would maybe use a draw knife or some kind of, uh, of a handheld tool, and they would shape that knife down. They would start to straighten out the crooks in that arrow because, after all, by default, there are some crooks. There, there are some bends in the branches, and every once in a while, the, uh, a limb is going to fall off a tree that is an arrow, and you know, it's going to take a little bit of tweaking. So it may be, it may, you know what they used to do? They soak them in water. Get them all waterlogged. Maybe with the water of the Word of God. And that'll help straighten out some of those bends in that arrow. And then they keep shaping and bending, and they might put it even in a mold where it's held between sticks to keep that arrow straight. And then when it dries, uh, the arrow's a lot more straight than it was when it started. But they might have to repeat the process again. You know what? Even down the road, they start to dress the arrow up a little bit and they'll put some fletchings on it. So that way it has a better, a better arch when it's flying, flying through the air. So that way when it's, it, it gets shot out of that bow, it just can spin and, and, and be aerodynamic and hit its target the way it's supposed to. They're going to they're gonna shape ahead for that arrow. They're going to sharpen that thing as sharp as they can get it. So that when it's launched out, it can stick into its target. It can hit what it was aimed at not going to just be a blunt object that hits and then falls to the ground and falls to the wayside and never found again. 
They take that arrow and they mold it and they make it into something. You know what, today a lot of the times what happens is we have our quiver full of arrows, uh, but they're just all crooked and gnarly and missing half the fletchings and no tips on them, or we forgot to sharpen them, and, and all this, we're just shooting blunt arrows all over the place. And bl- <laughs> well, you've seen them, the blunt arrows flying around. Yeah. You're looking at them and you're saying, what? what's going on? What are they thinking? Looking at the young person saying, "What? that's a stupid decision. You know, in, in the youth uh, rally the other day, that they did a, a skit about you know, the seventh graders that are dating. You know, and they're, they're talking about how, you know, God, I'm so thankful for this young lady you've given to me. And we've been dating for three days now. And we're just so excited about our future together in marriage. You know, and, and all this stuff. You know, they're, pre- they're, you know, they're just going on and on and on. And you're looking at it and you're saying, man, those arrows need some sharpening. Yeah. <laughs> they, they need a little bit of molding. You just, don't, you just don't chop off a branch from a tree and throw it in your quiver and expect to go get something done with that. Or expect it to be efficient, expect it to perform its duties. No, and, and, but that's what we do a lot of times with our kids. We just hope that they find the right path. But they're arrows. They're arrows. I read this statement uh, today, and it's, it's so good. God says our children are like arrows. What does an arrow do? It goes to a place that you can't go and accomplishes a purpose that you can't accomplish. One day we'll have to load these little arrows into a bow called adulthood and shoot them out. Do you want to just send your kids out with a wing and a prayer? Oh, I hope they, I hope, oh God, I pray that they, no, I'm not, don't, get me wrong, I'm not discouraging prayer. That can't be emphasized enough. But where's the tweaking of that arrow? So, as youth workers tonight, you want to you teach the parents that it's important that they uh, demonstrate what they ought to be at home to their kids and that they apply some force at home to shape their kids into what they should be. It's important. It's required. If the kids are going to turn out for God, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, the exception, not the rule, that a child who doesn't have reinforcement at home just has reinforcement at church does anything for God. That's really, it really is just an exception. As far as I can tell, it's an exception to the rule. Praise God, we've got a couple exceptions in this room tonight. Some young people that are wanting to serve the Lord. So, we have the recommendation to the youth than the requirement of the parents. Now, really, this is where youth ministry comes in. The reinforcement of the youth ministry. See, because it's not my job, and it's not your job as a youth worker to raise children. It's not your job to be uh, the, the Bible teacher in a child's life. It's not your job as a youth worker tonight uh, to be uh, that, that sounding post for all their personal problems. It's not your job as a youth worker tonight to be the only example of godliness and purity and separation in that young person's life. The job of the youth worker, the, really the only job of the youth worker, is to reinforce. And that's why that statement of reinforcing is predicated by the recommendation to teenagers and the requirement of parents. Because without those two things, man, I'm, the, the youth worker sitting there like, man, what do I have to work with here? What am I supposed to do in this? 
Now, as I said, God gives grace, and there are instances where, hey, you know, it's just not there at home. But it ought to be. And so, as youth workers, we reinforce what is being taught at home and what should be happening in their personal lives with God. That's the whole one, well, one of the main reasons that we have 2 Timothy 2 tonight. I want to bring it around to that. 2 Timothy 2 2, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, shall be able to teach others also. And that's what we want to do in the youth department here at our church. And that ought to be your goal if, as youth workers, if you're ever a youth worker, is to reinforce to the point of just committing to the next generation. So that way, when you die off, there doesn't happen to be a generation who knew not the Lord or the works that He had performed. We're so busy talking about our problems, so busy talking about our, our downfalls, so busy talking about all of our hurts and our ailments and our pains and, and, and all those things that are discouraging in life that half the time the young people today don't even know about the goodness of God. They don't know about the good things that have taken place in our lives. And that's one of the reasons that, as I mentioned the other night, that apathy creeps in because they don't see that goodness. They don't see what God has done. And so as youth workers tonight, reinforce, reinforce, reinforce. And sometimes that will require you to hold a higher standard. It will require you to get out of your comfort zone. It will require you to do things that you normally wouldn't do. But it's worth it. And if you ever have the opportunity to, to impact a young person's life, to, to be a youth leader, to be a youth worker, go as far as you can in the direction of being an example. As far as you can. Get way out there. Not so far that you, they can't see you, but be willing to be separated unto the Lord so that they have something to follow. Not leading them away from parents, reinforcing what's taking place at home. Not being uh, the, the noose around their neck, dragging them in their relationship with the Lord, but reinforcing their walk with God and encouraging them in it. Understanding that they're youth. And they're going to stumble. And it's going to take that pressure and that molding. But you've got to reinforce their walk with God. So we reinforce. That's the job of the youth leader, the youth worker. We reinforce in four ways. We reinforce it through worship. We reinforce it through our walk. We reinforce it through our work, our demonstration of how we live the Christian life. We reinforce it with the Word of God. Our worship, that love for the Lord. Our walk, the daily example our work, our service to God, heartily is unto the Lord, not unto men, and our word, the word of God, I'm sorry. It's our final authority. This is where we get our guidelines and our practices and, and, and the things that we follow in order to lead. So, that's the beginning and the end. That's all you get tonight. But that's that just a little taste of youth ministry. And uh, it, it, does take, it does take a little bit extra. It does take a little bit of extra commitment. And I trust uh, that in your life, you're willing to be committed. You're willing to be committed for Christ. Really, that's all God wants of His children. 
He wants commitment. You're going to follow. Wherever he leads, what he wants from you, you're going to follow. And uh, you'd be surprised where he'll take you. You never know. And uh, he'll use you, too, if you'll be committed. If you're willing to step out, he'll use you. And so I trust that uh, that's a blessing to you this evening. If you go ahead and stand with me tonight, and uh, we'll bow our heads as the pastor comes, and uh, we'll have an invitation tonight. Maybe the Lord spoke to you about something, and uh, if he did, I uh, trust that you'll respond the way that he wants you to respond, and that you won't just uh, let it go in and out. I will say one thing that I glossed over, and if you would look at me for just a moment, is this, is that it's not just parents. You know, they, they talk about it takes a community or it takes a village, you know, to raise a child. There's, there's some truth to that. There's some truth to the older women teaching the younger women and the older men teaching the younger men. They need to see it even if you're not a parent. They need to see your faithfulness. Man, it's an encouragement to me to see people that, man, I know they're going to be in church no matter what happens, no matter what they go through. And I'm talking about, I'm talking to some of you older folks, too. You've been around a while. You've got some health problems. You've got some things that you could easily excuse to keep yourself at home. But it's an encouragement to me, and it is a tremendous example to all these young people to stay faithful, to stay faithful, to stay faithful. We need those godly examples. Father, Lord, we do thank you for this.